as you know, the wedding is approaching. And I want you to imagine it's January 6th. Nathan is getting ready for this big day, getting all dressed up. And it's about lunchtime, and so lunchtime, I'm feeling hungry. You know, the afternoon's going to be a, a big ceremony and reception and all that, so I'm getting hungry, and so I go and get some pizza. Get that uh, Papa John's or Little Caesars, Domino's, whatever you like. Get some pizza, and I, I order it. And I get it, and I'm eating some pizza, and you know, as I'm eating that pizza, I'm not the most, like, clean with how I'm eating it, so, like, there's, like, some some sauce getting over all over my face, like up onto the sides around my lips. It's like greasy pizza. So it's like dripping onto my, my, my suit that I'm wearing, the jacket. And I'm just like, mm, yum, yum. Like I'm using like my, as the guys do, like we don't use napkins. We just like use our shirts and our hands to like wipe. And so like I'm getting it all on my suit jacket and I'm like, oh man, that was some good pizza. All stuff all over my face and all my, my clothes. And I'm like, hmm. Yum, that was some good pizza. Now imagine, I'm like, okay, it's getting close about the time when I got to go out there to, to, to get ready, so I better make sure I look good. So I go, and I, I check the mirror, and I see, eee, Nathan, you should have been a little nicer eater. Like today, I look is all over my face, all over my shirt, and I'm like, man, there's, there's something, something wrong with this. Becca's not going to be happy if I walk outside right now looking, looking like that. So I look in the mirror, and I say, man, there's some things to, things to do. Imagine I turn away from that mirror, and then it's like I never even looked in the mirror to begin with. I'm like, okay, cool, I guess I'm good to go. And I walk out, and you're sitting there in the audience with everyone there, and you just see Nathan walk out with, with pizza sauce all over his face, and I'll just be like, Nathan, what, what are you doing? So you recognize in that illustration that the purpose of looking in the mirror is to change something if something doesn't look right in that picture. You'd say it would be a foolish thing for Nathan to look in the mirror, see that there's pizza sauce all over his face and all in his clothes, and to turn away from that mirror and to not do anything about it. See, that'd be a foolish thing. Well, in the passage that we're going to look at today, uh, James compares a mirror to God's word. It says, hey, God's word is like a mirror. And we would be foolish to come to God's word like I would go to the mirror and to walk away and there to be no change at all. For us to come to God's word, to hear it, to listen to it, as you do in main service, as you do when you come here to uh, the narrow service, when you read your DBR, it would be just as foolish as I was with not doing anything to go to God's word, to read it, to listen to it, and for there to be nothing that happens as a result, to walk away unchanged. James 1 says we would be foolish to do that. Let's see what it says in James 1, 22. Turn your Bibles there if you haven't already. I hope you have. James 1, 22. I know it's a passage that a lot of y'all are familiar with, but is so crucial in our lives. James 1, 22 through 25 is what we're going to cover this morning. It says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So right off the bat, it contrasts two individuals, someone who's a doer of the word and someone who's just a hearer, doesn't put it into practice, saying, hey, be a doer, don't be a hearer, don't deceive yourself. It'd be like me if I said, oh, I look good with the pizza sauce on my face, I'm ready to go out. If you were there in the back, you'd be like, Nathan, you are tricking yourself. You're foolish right now. Don't trick yourself to think, oh, I can just hear God's word and not do anything about it. So two individuals in mind. A doer of the word and someone who just hears. So now, 
it talks about the one who is just a hearer of the word. Look at verse 23. It says this, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like this. He gives a, a simile, a metaphor, illustration right here. He's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Very similar to the opening illustration I just gave. The person who goes to God's word, looks at it, and then turns away and, what, what did I just read? Listens to a sermon, a, a day goes by, what did I hear about it? Say, hey, that's a foolish thing to do, to be someone who hears God's word, but that's it. Don't be fooled into thinking that if you come and you listen to sermons, you come and you read your Bible and you can check those things off the list to say, okay, I'm good, I, I, that's all I need to do. No, we need to make sure that we're not just hearers, but we're doers of the word as well. And I don't think we'll ever come to a point in, in our earthly life that we'd say, hey, I am a perfect doer of the word, that every single time I, I do it exactly. I mean, oftentimes we do just kind of go through the motions. You come into the narrow and you listen and you write some notes, but then next week goes by and you don't even really remember or you check off the DVR. And there's oftentimes in our lives when we do that. And I want us to examine and to evaluate what are those things that prevent us from doing the word and to stop those things. I put it this way for point number one. You need to expose your hearing only tendencies. Expose, bring to light your hearing only tendencies. What do I mean by that? Hearing only tendencies are characteristics or qualities that maybe you have, maybe I have, that we do sometimes that keep us from being a doer of the word. Characteristics and qualities that we have that prevent us from taking that next step of application when we come in line with scripture. We're going to talk about a couple of those. It'll be some of the subpoints of this first point. Here's the first one. One of the hearing only tendencies is subpoint A, being forgetful. Being forgetful, forgetting all the time, not remembering things. That's what the individual is in James 1:24. James 1:24 says, "For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like." Think about that. Look in the mirror, immediately forgotten. It's like didn't even pay attention, just quickly, all oh, just glanced, nothing at all. Are we forgetful individuals? If I was to ask you tomorrow morning what was preached on today, what would you remember? If I was to ask you today what the sermon was on last week, would you remember? If I was to ask you what you read in your DBR yesterday, granted you did it, would you be able to tell me? I mean, I think that's a huge thing in our lives where, yeah, we, we can do it and we can check off, yeah, I listened to the Bible, I read the Bible, I did my flip grade. Oh, what stood out to you yesterday? What did you read this morning if at the end of the day I asked you what you read? And oftentimes we're characteristic of, uh, one of our characteristics is being forgetful, not remembering. And that keeps us from being a doer of the word. Because if you could tell me today what you read about yesterday, that probably meant you were thinking about it throughout the day. And you were very intentional about, okay, I want to think about this passage. I want to remember it. I want to make sure I'm putting it into practice. If you just forget about it, you have no intention to, to put it into practice. You're saying, oh yeah, check off the list. Good to go. We need the reminder to remember because obedience doesn't just happen naturally. I mean, you don't just roll out of bed, read the Bible, and 
naturally be like, okay, yeah, now, now if I just don't think about anything at all, I'm just naturally going to obey. No, our sinful inclination is to disobey, to not do what God wants us. So we have to be very strategic and intentional to say, man, this is what I read, or this is what I heard, and how am I going to take the steps to be a doer? Not just say, I heard it, done, I listened, I paid attention, that's it. The nation of Israel, back in the Old Testament, needed the reminder to not be forgetful, because they were a very forgetful people. Over and over again, we see in the Old Testament um, this reminder that God says, hey, remember, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. He says it all the time. Here's a couple passages. Deuteronomy 4.9 says this, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your, that your eyes have seen. It's like, hey, don't forget the things that God did in Egypt, how he let you free. Don't forget that. Don't forget how in the wilderness he provided all these things for you. Don't forget that. Deuteronomy 6, a couple chapters later, take care lest you forget the Lord. Deuteronomy 8.11, take care lest you forget the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 8.14, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 8.19, and if you forget the Lord your God, over and over again, forget, 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 forget. For I mean, why did, why, did, why did they need that reminder not to forget? It's because they were quick to do what? Forget. I think we can look at Israel and sympathize with them in some ways because, I mean, how quick are we to forget? Do we diligently remember or, uh, yeah, I'd, I'm not even really sure what we talked about last week. Or you listen to the sermon on Saturday or Sunday and Wednesday rolls around when it's time to talk about it and you're like, man, what did, what did we talk about? I mean, think about it. I shouldn't have to do a sermon recap on Wednesday, but part of the reason we do that, well, partially it's for those who miss it, um, the sermon on the weekend, but like, it's like, oh, what did we talk about again? Because I can't remember. Just remind me what, what was the main points again? Because we forget. You know, one of the reasons why we're quick to forget, just in general, is like if I told you something and say you forgot that, one of the reasons why you might have done that is because you didn't think it was that important. Didn't think it was super valuable to, to remember a, a certain thing. I mean, some of you guys are really good at remembering very specific things because you think they're very important. Like some of you guys can like list off like sports, like numbers and averages and how many points were scored and what was the final score of a game. And you don't forget that. Why? Because that's very important to you. That's what you care about. And then you girls, like if you watched the game yesterday, some of you would be like, oh, I mean, I couldn't even tell you who was playing because you, you don't care about it. It's not that important to you. Now, I want you to imagine if you had a sickness, you were sick, and in order for you to live until the next day, you had to like give yourself a shot. So like, Every single day. And if you didn't give that shot, you wouldn't make it till tomorrow. And then the next day, you have to wake up and give yourself a shot. You'd be like, that's a pretty important thing. Do you think you'd be just like, oh, I forgot to give myself that shot today? <laughs> no, I think you would be very intentional about, okay, I've got this sickness. I'm not going to survive another day unless I give myself this, this shot. Like, part of, this, the part of this made of sickness, like, I'm not going to forget that. I'm not going to like be so busy throughout the day that like, oh man, I was just with my friends and man, I forgot to do it. Like, like no, because you're not going to make it until tomorrow. Do we view God's word as that important? 
that, man, I need to be thinking about it throughout the day, constantly, not forgetting about it. Like, I can't even wait until tomorrow's DBR, so I need to just keep thinking about what I read today. I mean, maybe one of the reasons you don't is because it's not that important to you. It's not that valuable. In your mind, you can say, yeah, it's the word of God, and it's important, but your actions show something completely different. Your thoughts, not thinking about it. One reason why we're quick to forget that we just hit on is we don't think it's that important. Another reason, I think, is in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Don't want us to be characterized as individuals who are hearers only. Don't do the word. But part of not being a hearer is being someone who remembers and doesn't forget. What might be some reasons we forget? It's not that important. The second thing here in Deuteronomy 8, verse 11. I already read the first half of it, but let's remind ourselves and we'll keep going through it. Deuteronomy 8, 11. It says this, Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God. So, hey, pay attention. Remember, so you don't forget God. Why? How do you show that you forgot God? By not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I commanded you today. Verse 12, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. Say, hey, don't forget God, because guess what? As these Israelites are about to enter into this promised land that God has given to them, a land flowing with what? Milk and honey, a great place. Hey, things are going to go well. When things go well, oftentimes we're tempted to forget God. One reason we're quick to forget is because we don't think it's that important. Another thing, we don't think it makes a difference. Well, my life is good right now. I don't really, I can listen to the sermon and not do anything because that's what I did last week. And guess week, guess what? Last week was pretty good. Last week was, was pretty good. It wasn't any big problems. I didn't get in any hard situations, no conflicts. So why do I need to do the word this week? Oh, I'll just forget about it. Oftentimes when life is good, that's when we're prone to forget God and forget his word. That's what happened oftentimes with, with the nation of Israel. Now, why should we be quick to remember? Well, later in Deuteronomy 8, I'm not going to read it, but you can look down. He says, hey, remember all the things that God has done for you. I mean, Israel, he let you out of slavery in Egypt. I mean, freed you. These miraculous miracles done, sending these plagues, freed you from that, giving you food to eat. I know we've talked about that when we said, hey, God's the giver of all good gifts. Um, how he provided manna for them, and he gave them water out of a rock, um, then gave them meat to eat. It's like God gave them all these things. Hey, don't forget about that. We too need to say, hey, we're not going to forget about all the good things that God has given to us. We're not going to forget God. We're not going to forget his word. Be people who are strategic to remember. How often do you think about God in just your day-to-day life? I mean, I'm sure you think about God when you come to church. At least I hope so. When you're in small groups, I hope you think about God. Hopefully in the morning when you do DBR, you think about God. But when you close that Bible, when you put away your worksheet, does it stop? You say, I'm good. 
I thought about God and his word today. Think about it throughout the day. When you're going to school, thinking, hey, how would God want me to live at school today? Man, God's watching. He's paying attention. When you're at home with free time, God's paying attention. God's watching. How, how would he want me to, to live? When you're talking with your friends, man, what, what would God want me to talk about? If we just remind ourselves of God, of God, of God, of God, even in Deuteronomy in chapter 4, chapter 6, chapter 8, it didn't say that they forgot his commandments. It says that they forgot God. Like, they didn't think about God. They didn't think about, and obviously if you're thinking about God, you're going to think about his commandments as a result, but how often do we think of him? How often do we think of his commandments? That's why oftentimes you hear this word thrown out um, in sermons or maybe in small groups, how we need to like meditate, meditate on scripture. And we know meditate, probably if you've been around Compass for a while, meditate's not the idea of like, hmm, like, like, like just like, yeah, that weird stuff. That, that's not the idea of meditation and how the Bible uses the word meditation. The world says meditate is getting rid of every thought that you have. So not thinking about anything, just freeing your mind and going like, like I don't know, <laughs> whatever they say. No, what the Bible says is not emptying your mind. It's filling your mind with things that are good, filling your mind with scripture. So when we say, hey, we should meditate, what do we meditate on? What do we think about? God and his word. We need to be proactive to do that. Be strategic to do that. Take steps to remember more. What's going to change in your life this week to be less forgetful than you were last week? How can you be a better rememberer of what you read in the morning? Maybe it's at night going back and saying, okay, what did I, what did I read again? I mean, how many of you guys in your DBR groups watch what other people post regularly? Probably not too often. Yeah, I put mine up there. I mean, what a great exercise to help us remember is, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what my friend said about the DBR. Or in the afternoon, oh, I saw someone put another post. I'm going to listen to what they had to say. I'm going to see what my small group had to say. Maybe at the end of the day, I'm going to go back and remember what I read. Maybe a quick high-level summary through it to proactively remember and not forget. It's the first tendency I think that a lot of us have of being a hearer only is being forgetful. Second one, subpoint B, can put it this way, tendency to be half-obedient. Being half-obedient. It's characteristic of someone who's a hearer only because Half obedience is not pleasing to God. God's not content with partial obedience. It's like if your parents said, all right, you've got your chores. Your chores are like mine were back in my, when I lived with my parents was you had a vacuum, you had to clean the bathroom, um, you have to dust, and you got to take out the trash. All right, here's your tasks for the week, do them every week. Now, what if your parent on Saturday says, oh, hey, did you do your, do you, did you do your chores for this week? I mean, you've probably heard that over again. Hey, did you do your chores? Did you, do, did you vacuum? Like, you say, oh, I mean, like, I took out the trash. And, and yeah, and, and I did it great. <laughs> I did a good job at it. 
And I lined it. I, re- I remembered to do that. <laughs> you say, I always forget to put the liner back in. You guys, you know what I'm talking about. Like, like, it'd be like, wait, but what about the other stuff that I said? What about vacuuming, dusting, cleaning the bathroom? Oh, no, I didn't do that. But like, I, I, I took out the trash, did it joyfully. It's like, okay, like, that's good. But like, that's not what I asked you to do. You, you didn't meet the expectation. You heard what, you wanted, what I wanted you to do, but you didn't follow through. You did one thing. God similarly is not pleased with partial obedience. That's a hearer tendency, hearing only, and not a doer. Oh, I'm going to obey this part, but this part, I'm not going to obey. I'll keep this, but I won't keep this. It's the idea of compartmentalizing, oh, or compromising is a good word to use. Someone who compromises. Oh, yeah, I'll follow these rules, but these ones, I'm not going to follow. Those are too tough. Reminds me of Thomas Jefferson. You guys know Thomas Jefferson? You learned about him in history class? Do you know that Thomas Jefferson created his own Bible? Some of you guys probably know this. Thomas Jefferson is, is known because he, he took the Bible and he cut out parts that he didn't like. <laughs> no joke. It was like, oh, yeah. Let's take that part out. And he, he would cut it out. <laughs> like, and it was the parts, he's like, uh, in his mind, there were more fanciful parts. So he took out the parts where like there were miracles and miraculous stuff or the things that Jesus did that were miraculous. He cut them out. Ah, ah that can't happen. I don't like that. I think how crazy that is. If you were to take your Bible and be like, I don't like that command. Being angry? Nope. <laughs> it's not in the Bible anymore. <laughs> not in my Bible. The Nathan Yovichin translation. Oh, children obey your parents in the Lord? <laughs> Definitely taking that one out. <laughs> Cut out all of Ephesians chapters. Like, it'd be, it'd be crazy. That'd be ridiculous. But how often, I know we don't go around doing that, or I hope not. You better not. Talk about disrespecting God's word. That's awful. I mean, truly disgusting. But how often in our minds do we say, oh, yeah, this, this is a big command, so I better obey that. But this one, oh, it's smaller. It's, I mean, it, 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 maybe it's just gossip or just a little jealous or just a little bit of complaining. That's not that big of a deal. It's the idea of partial obedience. I mean, you know what you should do, but yet that's oh, a smaller command. I'm not actually going to follow through with it. God's not pleased with that. I'm not going to talk back to my parents, but I'm just going to roll my eyes. (laughs) It's partial obedience. It's being a hearer of the word, not a doer of the word. I'm going to be kind to my leaders, but all my teachers, no, not to them. It's partial obedience. I'm going to read the Bible, but uh, I'm not not really going to be interested in it just to check it off. That's not how God would want you to do it. Partial obedience is someone is characteristic of a hearer of the word and not a, a full doer of God's word. Don't compromise. Obey God fully. And thankfully, we've got some really good examples in Scripture of individuals who didn't compromise. Some great godly examples. One of them, example, uh, is Moses. And in this book that we're going through with the junior high leaders, it, it emphasized how Moses didn't compromise, and I really like how he explained it, how Pharaoh, in the life of Moses, tried to get him to compromise on God's commands. And you remember, Moses, he came in to Pharaoh, and he said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, 
No. Then there were some plagues that happened. And then Pharaoh finally at a couple points like says like, okay, yeah, you can, you can go. You can take the nation of Israel. But he gives some caveats to, in Moses' life, almost make him compromise on some things. So one of them, Pharaoh says, okay, you, shouldn't, you can worship your God. You don't have to worship the Egyptian gods. You can worship, worship the God of Israel, but, but don't leave Egypt. Like, stay here. Well, was that what God wanted Moses to do, to just have them worship God in Israel? No, he wanted them to take him back to the land that he'd promised them. That was a, a, probably a thought in Moses' mind is, oh man, I mean, we're worshiping God. I mean, we're not going where he wanted us to go, but should I say yes, or should I not give in there? I mean, Moses said, no, we've got to go all the way. Didn't compromise. Pharaoh goes again, and he says, oh, okay, this time you can go out of Egypt to worship your God, but, but don't go very far. Don't go too far. Is that what God wanted? No. He counters again and says, oh, you can go out and worship God, but don't take the women and the children. Don't take them. Is that what God wanted? No. You can go worship God, he says, lastly. They take the women, take the children, but leave the, leave the cattle and the flocks back. That's not what God wanted. Those were different temptations, I think, in the life of Moses to say, man, I don't want to go up and, and say no to Pharaoh yet. Like, really? Really, God? Can't I just say yes? Like, we'll just take the men out and the women and children? Sorry, they got to be He said, no, I'm going to completely obey God and not compromise. What a great example. Moses is a great example. Joseph, we talked about that. When Potiphar's wife comes and grabs Joseph and tries to get him to sin, Joseph doesn't say, oh, okay, uh, I mean, what am I supposed to do? She got a hold of me. No, she, I'm, I'm running away. I'm out of here. Didn't compromise. How about this? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they're told to worship this golden statue or the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, or if you saw VeggieTales, I think it was a chocolate bunny. Um, I love the bunny. Uh, yeah, like, think about it. They could have bowed down to the statue and in their minds been thinking, no, God, God of Israel is the one true God. God of Israel is the one true God. It's like, who cares about what I do externally if internally I'm worshiping the one true God? But they said, no, I'm not gonna compromise in that. I'm not bowing down to this false statue, even if it means being what? Burned alive. And obviously we know, hindsight's twenty twenty that, hey, they're going to survive, but they didn't know that. They were willing to put their life on the line not to compromise. Moses, Joseph, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, later in the book of Daniel, command not to pray, not to pray. What does Daniel do? goes to the place that he always does every single day, not a private place, not trying to hide it, saying, this is what I do. And he prays, once again, not knowing beforehand that God was going to deliver him from the lion's den. But, yes, God, but yet God graciously did that. Think about it. We compromise in so many ways, and our lives aren't even on the line. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm not really going to talk about Jesus in front of my friends because they're going to think I'm weird and maybe they won't want to hang out with me. Like, and I don't mean to diminish that temptation in our minds and mean like, oh, psh, that's, that's nothing. Like, that is a real temptation that I know I've faced before when you get into junior high, and you get into high school. Oh man, am I going to invite this person to church? Am I going to try to share the gospel with this person or am I not going to do that? 
It's a real temptation that we face. Our lives aren't on the line in that, and yet it's such a struggle for us. And I know that. I, I, I've been in your shoes. I've experienced that. But willing to say, man, I'm not going to, to fall out and, and to stop obeying if it's difficult. I'm going to copy the example of Moses, Joseph, Daniel, Shadrach, and Benny. <laughs> Follow their, copy their example. Because oftentimes what it comes down to is, who do I fear more, God or man? Fear of God should lead us to obedience. A fear of man, we elevate our view of other people. We care so much about what our friends think of, school, think of us at school. We care so much about what other people think. Oftentimes we care more about what they think than what God thinks. And when we get to that point, that leads to great compromise. I mean, we have some good examples in Scripture, but we also have some bad examples in the Bible of people who did compromise. One example is Abraham. Um, I mean, Abraham shows a positive and a negative example. I mean, when he's told to sacrifice his son, did he compromise? No, he said, hey, I'm willing to do that. But in Genesis chapter 20, he's passing through this group, and he's interacting with this guy named King Abimelech. And as he's traveling through, he comes to this king and he's nervous that, oh man, he's married to his wife. Abraham's married to his wife named who? Sarah. And he says, oh man, Sarah's very attractive. She's very beautiful. Man, King Abimelech might find her really attractive. And um, if he likes her and finds out that I'm married to her, man, he might try to like take my life. Like, eh. so you know what I'm going to do? When we go to King Abimelech and he asks, I'm just going to say that it's my sister. It's my sister. And so that's what he does. Comes to King Abimelech. King Abimelech finds her child. It's like, oh yeah, it's just my sister. Thankfully, God keeps King Abimelech from doing anything that he shouldn't. But think about that. Abraham really cared and was nervous about what the king might do, that he was willing to lie, not be truthful about that. Crazy enough, a Basically, the same situation happens in Genesis chapter 26 with Abraham's son, Isaac. He does like the same thing. It'd be funny to go back this week and read Genesis 20, that's, that section, Genesis 26. Isaac's the same mistake. He calls his uh, wife and says, oh yeah, she's just my sister because of a fear of what a king might do if he finds out, oh no, that's actually uh, my wife, not my sister. Like, think about that. Fear of man causes us to do things that are so dumb. I mean, your fear of your friends and your elevation of what they think at school causes you to go into conversations that you shouldn't, talk about things that you shouldn't, say things that would be foolish, think bad things, because we wrongly elevate others to a, a level that we ought not to. Abraham compromised in some ways. Isaac did. I mean, Peter denies Christ three times. Three times. Three individual times. Compromised. He was worried about, man, what, what might they do to me? Jesus just got arrested. Ooh, it's probably not good to be, to be known to be accompanied by Jesus. He just got arrested. My life might be at risk. He gave in to that temptation. Denied being associated with Christ. Are we people who compromise 
when it comes to obedience of God's word. Because that's what hearers of the word do. Hearers of the word forget God, forget his word. Hearers of the word say, I'm going to pick and choose what things I want to apply and what things I'm not going to apply. Subpoint C, another characteristic of someone who is a hearer only is someone who's only in it for head knowledge, being in it for head knowledge. So some characteristics, some tendencies, some hearing only tendencies are forgetting, compromising, only being about head knowledge, only caring about that. So oftentimes there's disconnect between knowledge and application. And where that comes to bear oftentimes is in small groups. You're in small groups, and there's questions written, and maybe the questions are like, oh, like, what did Jesus do in this situation? And because you know the story, you can answer, oh, yeah, Jesus did this. Or what does the Bible say about X, Y, and Z? And you're like, oh, it says this and this, because you have heard a lot of sermons. Like, think about it. How many sermons, if we were to add up all the sermons we've heard just in this room together? Probably thousands of sermons. So we know a lot about the Bible. Not that we know everything, but we know a lot about what God wants us to do. But oftentimes questions show up in small groups and the questions are, oh, so what difference should this make in your life? And oftentimes it's like, uh, like, uh, I, I don't know. Or how can you implement this into your life? Uh, uh, I don't know, I just need to like do better this week. Like we have a hard time connecting those concepts between knowledge and life change. Let me see how they are so connected together because knowledge answers are so easy. But if we know what to do, we know the right knowledge, but don't do anything about it, that's sin. That's what James 4.17 says. It says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. You know the right thing and you don't do it, you're sinning against God. A lot of you in this room have a lot of Bible information. You grew up at the church, going to Sunday school, went to Edge, went through Awana, have all these verses memorized. Take notes. You can even go back and look at your old notes and all the stuff that you've learned over time. I want you to see the knowledge that you have about Scripture and about what God wants as a stewardship. Stewardship. Something God has given to you to utilize. We say, hey, everything that we have is a gift from God, all of our stuff. And so, like, say you have a nice car. It's like, hey, I want to be a good steward of my car. I want to use it how God wants me to use it. Well, so, too, the knowledge that you have is something God has given to you. You have a different level of knowledge than the person next to you and the person next to them. We all have varying levels of knowledge, which is a different stewardship and responsibility that we're given to use that knowledge well. Couldn't help but thinking, when thinking of stewardship, the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25 just going to read a couple verses, but I want you to, to almost make this connection between how they're using the talents to how we use the knowledge that we're given. Matthew 25, 16 says, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So they're given these different stewardship of different amounts of things, one, five, two, and one. And they do different amounts of things with what they've been given. Five does a lot, gets five more, two, two more. One buries it in the ground, doesn't do anything with it. Well, as you know from this passage, when the master comes, the 
person who makes five more, five talents, and the one who makes two more with the two talents, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. But the one who just buries it in the ground, he says, you wicked and slothful servant. Wicked, lazy. Now think about it. God has stewarded you, given you a certain amount of knowledge of God's word. You know why he's given you that knowledge? Part of the reason is so that you do something with that knowledge. You don't just bury it in the, in the shelf of your mind and say, okay, cool, now I'm really good at Bible trivia. Next time we do it, great. I can win the Bible trivia kahoot. That's not what it's for. It's to put it into practice. To man, this is what I know it says. It has some bearing to my life today. See it as a responsibility. That's a great thing. I mean, some of you guys have so much knowledge about God's word, and he wants you to put it into practice. I mean, you can teach other people. You can serve in the church. God might be preparing you now with this knowledge that you have to be a great servant of the church in the future. Maybe some of you is calling to be a pastor one day, to be a missionary, to serve in various capacities throughout the church. That should be exciting to you. Man, God has given me a certain amount of knowledge of God's word that I can make a difference for him. I can do, attempt great things for God. Do big things for him. Think about it. That's such a powerful thing. We should take that stewardship seriously. God uses faithful Christians for big things. But you know who he doesn't use? People who hear the word, but don't do it. People who have a lot of knowledge, don't do anything about it. No, God uses obedient Christians to make an impact. God can use you for the same thing. See, ultimately, if those three tendencies are characteristic in your life, yeah, we can talk about how in the end you're going to be held accountable for God, and that's a big thing. I mean, that's true. Because you have different levels of knowledge, those of you that have more knowledge about God's word, guess what? you're more accountable to God. Think about it. Before hearing this message, you were less accountable to do the word than you are after you walk out of this. After this sermon, you're now held to a higher standard to be a doer of the word when you stand before the Lord on judgment day because you have more knowledge than someone who didn't. Well, thank you very much, Nathan. Like, great. <laughs> like, perfect. Like, I guess I'm not coming to church anymore. Like, no, don't, don't take it that way. But See it as, man, I want to implement everything that I learn, everything that I grow in, put it into practice because you're hurting yourself. It's like if I said, hey, if you at one o'clock go to town center, go down to town center and in the fountain there, if you go over to the fountain and you look right into the fountain, uh, sometimes it's filled, sometimes it's not filled, so say it's filled, right at the bottom, you go in there, there's a million dollars, million dollars. I say there was, there was a million dollars, and I just gave you that information. Now, if you're smart, you're not just going to be like, cool, now I've got that fun fact for, for trivia in the future. Like, 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 no, mom and dad, we are going to town center. Like, forget our plans. Uh, I have this bit of knowledge. Someone told me, got this information. Now I need to act upon it. Go get this million dollars. You would be hurting yourself if you had that knowledge and didn't do anything with it. So too, you're hurting yourself and you're the one that loses out in the end if you have this knowledge of scripture, but don't do anything with it. We need to rather, as James 1, 22 says, be a doer of the word. Look back at James 1. 
You guys still there? Maybe you're in Deuteronomy. Flip back over to James chapter 1. We've been talking mostly about the hearer, one who hears only, listens only. But in verse 25, it gives us the other side of the picture, one who puts it into practice. So James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So don't have these tendencies. Don't be forgetful. Don't only partially obey. Don't just be in it for the head knowledge. Be a doer. Verse 25, that's what it looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law That's the idea of looking into. It's like if there was maybe like something on the ground and you're like trying to really figure out what it is. You'd like, like maybe you'd crouch over and you look down. That's like the picture that's doing here. Like who really intently looks into the perfect law. Well, what's the perfect law? Scripture, God's word, the law of liberty that sets us free and perseveres. The person who continues to do it, looks into scripture and does it. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. It's a lot of blessing that comes if we look intently at Scripture and say, man, I want this to make a difference in my life. That's how we should approach God's word. Put it this way for point number two. Approach Scripture with the goal of life change. Approach Scripture with the goal of life change. Every time you come in contact with God's word, your attention should be... What difference does this have in my life? What impact should this make? It should be your focus, because it should change you. I remember being on the basketball team, uh, freshman and part of sophomore year of high school. And being on the basketball team, you had to work out. Um, and I remember one workout in particular where um, you took like a playing deck of cards and depending on which card was turned over, you shuffled it, whatever card was turned over, you had to do like that many in type of push-ups. I don't know if you've ever done this before. So say it was like a nine of diamonds, you had to do nine diamond push-ups. And then next over, say it was like a a queen of clubs. It's like, okay, that was like 15 just regular push-ups. Or if it was like a three, or you looked out and you got like a two of hearts, it was like uh, like two like wide push-ups, like yes. And then it's like, oh, an ace of diamonds, 20 diamond pushes. Oh, like, um, and everyone in the room was doing it at the same time. So they say, flip it over. All right, that's how many you've got to do. And it was interesting as you're going through this, just seeing the different types of people um, as they're doing this workout. You know, you've got the ones who are like, like really focused or like digging in. They're like doing on proper form, like checking their form, going perfect. Then you got the other ones who, you know, like, oh, the coach is looking that way. I'm going to drop to my knees and do a couple of them on my knees. Or coach is looking the other way. Some of you guys are nudging your friends. You're like, oh, that would definitely be like, like oh, I'm going to just hold this. Are they looking? Okay, they're looking. Now I'm going to go do it again. It's like, okay, like kind of just going through the motions, not really trying. Well, guess what? At the end of the season, if you look at the people and say, okay, man, who really grew the most? Who really looked different physically one year versus the year before? It was the people who took it seriously. The ones who weren't just going through the motions. The ones who, they went into these workouts and said, man, I'm going to take this seriously because guess what? I want to be stronger, faster, better athlete. We too, when we come to scripture and this idea of approaching scripture is listening to sermons, maybe it's, uh, I mean, it is reading God's word, maybe listening to podcasts on biblical things. The mindset that we should have is, 
I want to take it seriously. I don't just want to mail it in. I want to see how can this change me? What difference does it have in my life? Allow God's word to be a knife in your life, to cut you open, to expose the ways that you need to grow, to expose the wrong things that you're doing that you need to stop doing, to expose the things that you're not doing and that you need to start doing. Allow God's word to be a knife. And when you go to God's word, say, man, how can this change me? I mean, one passage that talks about God's word like a sword, you know this very well, theme verse and edge, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word shows us, exposes our wrong thoughts, our wrong intentions, our wrong actions. Allow the Bible to do that in your life. Allow God's word. Every time you come to it, how, what bearing and impact does this have on scripture? Even passages that you think, oh, Leviticus, like what difference does that have? Like, okay, what, I'm gonna go like do a burnt offering in my backyard? Like, great, like, <laughs> but that still has a bearing on your life and thinking about the holiness of God and because God is perfect and they had to keep these certain regulations and so I need to be holy and there's application that comes from every single passage in this book. But is that how we approach it? Or do we approach it like we approach our textbooks at school and we just browse through it? Okay, yeah, I know what the story was about and like, yeah, I could pass a test if it was like about Bible trivia, but I mean, what impact does it make on me? I don't really know. Allow it to change you. One practical thing that might be helpful is every time you interact with God's word, so every sermon you listen to or every time you do your DVR or things of the like, say, what is one thing I can do as a result of this? One thing, one thing. Maybe at the bottom of your worksheet, every single week, what you write is one thing in all capital letters and you put a colon and you say, what's one thing I can do as a result of this message? Because I know in the past I've been like, okay, I want to do like five things every sermon that I hear. I want to implement five things. But if you're going to main service, that's five things. Then you come to the narrow, that's five more things. And then you do the DBR for the way. That's like 17 things to keep track of. It's like, whoa, it'd be overwhelming. But if you say, hey, there's, this is the one thing I'm going to focus on this week. One thing I'm going to do. And make it very specific. Make it something that next week you can measure whether you did it or not. So like, as opposed to like, I'm just going to think more about God this week. Oh, then I look next week. Did I think more about God? Like, kind of, or like kind of not. Something more specific is, I'm going to spend time praying for five minutes every day. You know what you can do next week? You can say, okay, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Did I do it? Did I spend five minutes praying each day? Specific goals, your DBR. Today, what I'm going to do is think about 20 things to be thankful for. Say the passage about Thanksgiving. I'm going to write down 20 things. Tomorrow, you can look back and say, did I do that? Yes or no? Be specific. One thing. Maybe one, one thing that will help you with your application is having accountability. Having people who ask you how you're doing with certain aspects of your life. I mean, when's the last time you've asked your friend, hey, how are you doing with your Bible reading? How are you doing with prayer? 
How are you doing with being respectful to your parents? When's the last time you've asked that to a friend? I mean, I'd say probably in this room, probably very little. It's probably been a while if you have. I mean, I know your leaders are doing that, and they're following up. Hey, did you do this? You mentioned this last week. But we can do that for each other as well. You can do that with your friends. That's promoting obedience, promoting faithfulness to do the word. Some of you guys who are really into YouTube know the name Ryan Tran. Uh, Trahan, sorry. My bad. Clearly, I'm not as much of a YouTuber as y'all. Ryan Trahan. There you go. A tricky H. Um, And what he's known for, I mean, doing all these different challenges, but one is like a penny a day and lasting for like a certain amount of days and surviving off of a penny a day. Like I think it was a 30-day challenge to get across across the country with a penny a day. Um... Or one penny off the start. Okay. As you know, I'm so into the YouTube life. Um, actually, I am. I actually watched some of those videos, so I should remember that. Ryan Trent, one penny lasts 30 days. Now, think about it. That one penny that he had, I mean, then he had to multiply it and, like, find ways to, like, expand it, to get water bottles and sell water bottles for money. But every item that he had that he made off of that penny, he took it very seriously. Like, if he traded in the penny for a pen, guess what he did? He's like, okay, this is like a very important pen. Like, I'm going to sell it. Then I've got like some money. Say he's got like 47 bucks. It's like, okay, got to be careful with every single thing that he had. He wasn't just reckless with, oh, I've got all this excess stuff. Like, oh, whatever. I guess I can lose it. Who cares? No, everything that he had, he saw, man, it's very important because I don't have that much stuff. I mean, I was given a penny (laughs) to, to live for 30 days. Everything that I have, I have to take it seriously. I need to use it, put it into practice. Same too with every little bit of knowledge that we have from God's word. We should take it seriously, value it, treasure it, see it as important, use it. Not just put it in our, the backpacks of our minds and say, oh, I'm going to forget about that. No. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Be a steward, a good steward of God's word this week by taking all that knowledge that you have, don't just keep it up there, but put it into practice. I hope that we can, and pray that we can do that better this week. Let's pray about that right now. God, we confess that we don't obey your word as we ought to, that we are quick to forget and not think of you that we are quick to compromise, that in many ways we are content with just having more knowledge one day than the next, but help us not be satisfied with that. Help us to see how we're selling ourselves short by not being a doer. Help us to strategically put Scripture into practice this week. This can be a life-changing sermon for so many with how they interact with Scripture moving forward. So I ask that that would be the case for us this morning in being strategic and specific of how we can be better doers of the Word. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.